Hi everyone, Wynn Claybaugh here. This Masters Classic from 2012 features Brenda Cooper, the Emmy-winning costume designer known for creating Fran Drescher's iconic styles on The Nanny and the author of The Silhouette Solution. This style guide transforms how you view your wardrobe, your style, and ultimately yourself. Brenda's mission is to make getting dressed the easiest part of your day, regardless of age, weight, shape, size, or budget. Brenda has dressed Hollywood's elite and shared her knowledge through her television shows and personal appearances on E! Entertainment Tonight, CNN, and The View. Listen in as Brenda shares her tips for using fashion to elevate your image and improve your confidence. If you enjoy this classic interview, please share it with your friends and visit mastersbywinclaybaugh.com to sign up for our mailing list. And remember, Masters podcasts are also available on your favorite podcast platform. Hey everybody, Win Claybaugh here and... Uh, you know, everything happens for a reason. I met this woman less than a couple of weeks ago. Within two seconds of meeting her, I knew that this interview had to take place. And, uh, of course, she immediately said yes, because that's the way the universe works. You know, she, you probably got the same connection. Totally. And, it, and as we're sitting here talking, it's like yes. neither of us can shut up because we have so much to share with each other because we relate on so many different levels. And I'm very, very excited about this. I also need to tell people that my partner, George Morales, is sitting in the room right now. And Brenda, he's a little starstruck, sweetheart. <laughs> no, he is. He is. When we saw you. Really? When we saw you, oh, from across the set that day, yes. that night, he was yes. like, oh my God, that's Brenda Cooper. Oh, wow. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's so fantastic. So, uh, Brenda, welcome to Masters. And then I'll let our audience know exactly who you are. So, right. welcome. Well, it's, I just have to say, before you let the audience know exactly who I am, that it's a, it's a pleasure, an honor, and a privilege to be sitting here with you today to share my story for the benefit of others. And um, you're right, things do happen for a reason. And I, I walked by the food for a reason <laughs> in the VIP room. Well, where we met was at a taping for uh, Fran Drescher's TV show, uh, Happily Divorced. And by the way, you were her designer, stylist, wardrobe stylist. Give me the exact time. Okay, well, I, I was the costume designer. I created the look of the nanny. Right. Okay. And by the way, we're sitting in Brenda's home, and there is an Emmy. She's an award-winning costume designer. Costume designer. She right. has an Emmy. Yes. And I, and I, I got a picture of myself when Brenda with holding the Emmy, and so I've never interviewed an Emmy winner before. Really? No. Oh wow! You're my first. That's oh. pretty exciting well, to have that. Yes. I mean, I'm, it's a privilege, and again, it's an honor to win an Emmy. I never expected it, and um, it's the. Uh, the nanny won one Emmy, and I'm the person that won it, <laughs> which is great. That's incredible. And then I went on, and we'll get into the details of it, to have another career. And then I've actually been raising my boys, and um, I'm back in the biz. So, well, you, oh, so I'm, I'm going to read some of this. Uh, you're television's preeminent fashion expert and image consultant. Many know and trust Brenda as the co-host on E! Fashion Emergency, Extreme Makeover, where she takes people from drab to dramatic. But her small screen style makeovers reflect only a portion of her versatile talent. Uh, you're London-born, uh, style expert, former model, you're a working mom, you won the Emmy, 
You contribute designs for the TV show Nanny. Now you're also doing Happily Divorced. Yes. What other TV shows have you? Um, actually, it's, you know something that's very interesting? I've had a very interesting career path. Would you like me to tell you about it? Well, yeah. That's <laughs> okay, I'll start from the beginning. I actually, I'm, I'm a late bloomer. But first of all, I want to say my passion in life, my passion and purpose is to help people be the best that they can be. And I do it from the outside in. Right using appearance i use i paint pictures of style for people and instead of using paint i use pieces of clothing to help people's people build confidence you know to go out into the world take risks and make their hopes and dreams come true so that's my life's passion how i found my career path is actually amazing even to me because i didn't find it until late i didn't even know that i had the talent that i have until i was in my 30s and i never went to school I lived in England until I was 19, came to America in the late 70s. And, uh, you know, I was in New York City pursuing a modeling career and an acting career that went nowhere incredibly fast. I married an actor who was who became very famous in the 80s called Corbin Burnson. Um, He was on a show called L.A. Law that was a Stephen Bochco show. So I, I was married to Corbin before he got that show, you know, and then uh, we split up. And I came to L.A. in 1987, and again, I was pursuing a career in acting, and it just it wasn't going anywhere, and I had to get a job. And I, I knew that I'm not the type of person that could sit in an office you know, for eight hours a day, so I had to look at what am I good at, what am I good at? And I was always great and passionate about putting clothes together. So I started off going into the mother's closets of my girlfriends and the reason for that was was because they had the money you know they had the money to pay me and so I started you know doing a little fashion consulting business and I would go into their closets and I would just show them how to make things work you know and they would be like wow I never would have thought of doing that so it was stuff that they already had in their closets they just didn't know how to put it all together well I would they wanted to clear everything out of their closets and I would say to them no do this do that look what you can do with this look how you can do this and they're like I would never have thought of doing that so one of my clients that I met in a gym a dear friend of mine who I haven't seen for a very long time called John Hall became a great client and he said to me you're so talented at what you do I want you to meet this agent for costume designers and I'm like I've never worked in the business I've never been to school I I have very little experience so I wouldn't call her because I was too scared Um, and for three weeks I would not make the call and he kept bugging me and I went okay I'll make the call so I called her I was incredibly nervous and somehow I guess I had the gift of the gab because I kept her on the phone Two days later, I had a job assisting a designer, and three years later, I had an Emmy. And it was like, oh, my God. So I started working as an assistant, and I just loved the shopping and putting the look together. My second job, uh, I was asked to work with this actress called Fran Drescher on a show called Princesses, which was on CBS. So it was with Twiggy, Julie Haggerty, and Fran. So it ran six episodes. I worked with this fantastic designer. And it's so interesting because even though I might not appear to be a scared person, back then I I was, you know, and I could not assert myself. So even when I got the job with this designer, it took everything I had to make the call to the designer to ask him if he had any work. 
Mm-hmm. So I met him for lunch. He said he had this job called Princesses, and there was an actress on it that needed someone who was, you know, strong to work with her and had a good, you know, sense of design. And so I got the job uh, with Fran and Twiggy and Julie and working with Eduardo Castro, who's an incredible designer. And um, Fran said to me, you know, Brenda, at the end of it, she said, I love your work. And if I ever get my own show, I want you to be the designer. (laughs) And I went, yay. So in Hollywood, people don't honestly usually follow through on promises. A couple of years later, I get a phone call. Brenda, I got my own show, and I want you to be the designer. And the show was called The Nanny. Hmm. So I came onto the show, and it was interesting because I had, you know, gone being basically what is called in the business, you know, above the line and above the line person. And when you work in costumes, it's below the line. I mean, I personally, I hate that line. I don't like that line. I prefer to be beside the line (laughs) or above it. But I, I noticed that the costume and wardrobe department weren't really acknowledged in the way that I thought they should be in terms of the the contribution that is made to a show. So I, my little promise to myself was, I'm going to make a statement with this show in terms of the look of the show. So Fran basically gave me my wings and she said, Brenda, you're the designer, go and do it. I was never actually given any specific direction. No one ever sat me down and had a meeting about, we want the show to look like this. I knew that I wanted to make a statement of style, a statement of wit, and a statement of humor with the clothes. And Fran just let me go. Hmm. And I actually had dinner with her the other night, and she said to me, she said, Brenda, I knew the minute I met you how talented you were. And I was like, wow. That's amazing. So I just did my thing. I just loved color. I loved, you know, personality with clothing. And it was very organic for me to make it look the way I made it look. And, um, I mean, the rest on that is history. Isn't isn't it kind of interesting that, like, we we create what we think is supposed to be our life path. You know, I'm going to be an actress. I'm going to be a model. I'm going to do this. And when in reality, life's like, well, that's really cute. But no, that's not where you're going to go. And for you to be able to just surrender to that, I mean, what was that process like for you? Because I think that there's some things that, like I play the piano and I pursue music. And once I tried to turn it into a career, it wasn't fun anymore for me. I didn't enjoy music anymore. And I think some things that we are good at or that we enjoy doing should be paths that we use to make money and others are just meant to be a hobby so to speak what do you-, you know when I love that you say that because it's interesting I always say you know if I had to fill out a form in life and at the beginning of your life and you check off what you want you know and then how your life rolls out is so fascinating mm. you know I had wanted to be an actress you know and where, as you get older and you look at why you want to do things It's like, I guess I wanted recognition that I probably maybe didn't get from my parents. But it never worked. The the acting thing never clicked for me. And I have to say, the funniest thing about it was I was on my last acting job. Okay, not that I ever got many, but a girlfriend of mine who's a big casting director had lost her actress on this three-day job. And she asked me to come in and do it. And it was with an actor who was an unknown I mean, I was just in the scene with him. I wasn't doing the scene with him, but I was just one of the people in the scene with him, and his name was George Clooney. 
Okay, oh, yeah. he was unknown. You've heard of him? A little bit. Right, yeah, yeah. So I played a hooker, okay? And I'm like, this is the last thing in the world that I should be playing is a hooker. So I'm in the scene. I'm supposed to be massaging this guy. I, ju- I couldn't do it. I just <laughs> couldn't do it. And the director goes, stop. He goes, Brenda, could you get a little more into it? And I'm like... So I, I tried, and I'm like, this is the last time I'm ever doing this. This is the l- I'm done with this, and I'm going to get a job in wardrobe, working in wardrobe, because I love to work with clothes. So I turned myself over to it. And at the beginning, I have to say, it was difficult, because there's a hierarchy in this business, as you know, when there is a hierarchy. And, and I have to say that, that I guess wardrobe isn't necessarily at the top of it, but I thought, you know something, I'm going to make wardrobe be at the top of it. Well, you got an Emmy, sweetheart. And I've got an Emmy, and there she is. She sits over there. But it's fun. It's creative for me. And you said an incredibly important word when it's surrendering. You know, what we think we want and what rolls out for us are two different things. And I have to say, this career has been so fulfilling for me. I'm absolutely passionate about it. And the irony of the whole thing is that after I left the nanny because I started a family, which is something else I wasn't going to do, I was never going to have children. And one of the greatest fulfillments of my life are my my two boys. And the irony of my career is that I landed up going on camera because a year after I left the nanny, I had Clayton... I get a call from E. Could I come in? They wanted to interview me. And I went in, did an interview, and then I became a co-host on a show called Fashion Emergency. Yeah, yeah, your own show. Which, yes, which was, became a huge hit and was one of the beginning shows of all the makeover shows from which was spawned all of this fashion television that you see. So I landed up going on camera doing my passion, which is helping people, you know, be the best they can be. So, you know, I already think I know the answer to this question, but I want to have a discussion about it. Let's. So was there a regret or resentment that your life didn't become the way you thought it was supposed to, i.e. becoming an actress? Can I tell you something? When I love you because I just love your questions. Okay. <laughs> I just love your questions. No, there's absolutely no regret about it at all because we have an imagining of what we think we should be doing. Okay, but then if you open up to the universe, as you say, and allow to come in what's supposed to come in and look at your natural talents, you know, um, then you will lead a fulfilled life. Because, I mean, I consider this a journey. This is a journey that we're here for X amount of years. And it's make that journey a fulfilling journey. And work is a huge part of that journey. It takes up a big part of our day. So for me, it's find out what your natural talents are. I mean, forget about the shoulds, what you should be doing. It's like find out what your natural talents are and your passions are and turn that into a career. Because one of my favorite sayings, and I don't know who said it, I saw it in a book once, it's Find something you are passionate about and you will never have to work a day in your life. Okay. And that's what it's all about for me. And then I think I could never be walking on stage and being an actress. It is not my strength. I mean, words aren't my strength. Visuals, color, clothing, image is my strength. So life has led me along a path and I also see a lesson in everything we do. So you ask the question, why was I an actress? Well, if you open up to it, 
I was an actress to understand the process of acting to be able to work with actors and understand their process in terms of costuming them or creating a character. So even though being an actress didn't unfold the way you thought it was supposed to, it was still a necessary part of your journey. You know, every part of my journey, no matter how hard it's been or how challenging it's been or how much I resist it, if you look, I always ask, what is the lesson? What can I learn from this experience? And there is always something that you can learn. I mean, our audience right now is pretty varied, but it's absolutely a lot of young people entering you know, this industry. And uh, so I think that that's perfect advice. Right. Anything more than you tell them about, again, just because they're thinking surrender, that, that probably doesn't even make sense to them right now, the whole idea of surrendering, because, you know, what we're taught to believe is that you have to control it, you have to manipulate it, you have to plan it. doesn't right. mean that we don't have to do the work, because, yeah, right. you're in school and you're taking the classes and you're doing the study and you have to do the work. It's not like you just sit on the couch and wait for these things to fall into your lap. No, you, you have to be motivated. You have to have a commitment to your work. But the, this is the question to all the young people. This is the question I would ask myself if I was your age. What lights me up? <laughs> what makes me happy? What makes me smile? What lights me up? Because if you find out what that is at a young age... Okay, you can go along that path because money isn't the answer. We all, I tell you, we all, when seek this, you know, fame and fortune. Okay, but for so many people, they have the fame and they have the fortune, but they don't own their own soul. They don't have a sense of fulfillment, you know, about their life. And I'm old enough now to have you know, been there, done that, seen it all. And to find out the things that really are enriching are the things that I'm passionate about. Okay, And if you find something that you are passionate about, then you can turn it into money. Okay, And even if the money doesn't come, to get up in the morning and show up at your workplace and love what you do, love, be passionate about what you do, then you have a, a fulfilled and you have an enriched life. I, I love that. And you have the gold because, you know, Hollywood is all about image. It's an illusion. Okay, but if you don't own your own soul and have a sense of peace and enrichment and fulfillment inside, then it kind of, the equation equals zero. But if you can find what enriches your heart and your soul first and then pursue your career then you have it all and you will have an incredible journey through this thing called life. And it's just a wonderful thing. I mean, it's taken me up until now to find it. But thank goodness I'm still a youthful spirit. Okay, I'm 55. <laughs> I, just, I just turned 55. Okay, and I'm just, I have to tell you, I feel better than ever when <laughs> you can edit that out. <laughs> we have to but no. I think I when people see the picture of you they're, yes. they're going to say there's no way she's 55 well, you I look know, amazing I, know. I look in the mirror and I do I am very grateful for the way I look because I realize that my work is not yet done and thank goodness the powers that be are you know I have a youthful spirit and but I, getting older is I can't say the word over the radio but it begins with F. I, right. I can't stand it. But, right. you know, but we all have to go down that road. You know, I, I often say to audiences that that whole TGIF thing was invented by people who have nothing to do with our industry. Right. You know, thank God it's Friday. 
Oh, yes. Yeah, maybe they hate their lives oh. from 9 to 5, and they can't wait till 5 o'clock on Friday to then go love their lives, to then go pursue the things that bring them joy or, like you said, that lights them up. Right. So when I – and again, I, you and I are on the same page. I mean, I think the world would be a better place. I think there would be less strife. There would be less anger. There would be less war if people – you know, found out what lights them up. Mm. Um, and even if you do have to go to work, and yes, you do have to go to work and maybe do a job that you don't like, find something that you are passionate about. It could be drawing. It could be cooking. It could be gardening. It could be counting pennies. Who knows what it is? But find the thing that lights you up, and that will equal fulfillment in your life. I, um, I have a question for you, because sometimes I'll, I'll get an email and say, gosh, I, I love... Uh, doing hair and makeup and wardrobe for photography. Mm -hmm. And I respond, cool, so how many photo shoots have you done? I haven't done any yet. Well, why not? Well, because nobody's paid me. Nobody's hired me. What do you say to something like that? Oh, my gosh. Uh, okay. It cannot always be about the money. I mean, it just cannot be about the money. I mean, I do what I do. Yes, I get paid for what I do, but I do a tremendous amount of work for free, okay, because it, it again, it lights me up. Okay, so if you're waiting for the dollar signs, it's just, it's not going to work. You you have to get out there and you have to do it. And I, I want to give you an example, you know, of this. I had a lady come in and have her colors done. And she was, you know, she was a very large lady. She was size 22. And she wanted to make a, get a promotion. But there was difficulty in her getting a promotion because the people in the department, based on how she looked visually, did not understand her talent. Okay, so I was employed to do just X, just to do her colors. Okay, but when she came in here, I just, I couldn't help myself. When she left, I just went out shopping right there and then. I wasn't paid for it. Okay, I went down to all the inexpensive stores. I found everything I could in her size, which was a large size. I called her up. I said, come back here on Sunday morning. She was going to this conference that was really important. I couldn't let her go looking the way she was looking. She came in. I did a fitting with her. I bought 23 pieces of clothing for less than $400. Okay. 20 of them fit her. She looked like a different person. And to see the smile on that woman's face, to see how lit up and how confident she was about the way she looked, that was money in the bank for me. That was gold. So there's much more to it than just the money. I mean, When I was reading uh, your website, the word self-esteem pops up a lot. Does it? Yeah, it does. Oh. <laughs> yes. No, that's, that's cool. Yes, yes. And I think I read someplace that it's, it's, it's not like you're only working with size 2 models and that's the only type of person that you would care to dress but you're living and working in right in the middle of it where it's all about image and people are bombarded with billboards and magazines and commercials and if you want to feel good about yourself this is what you have to look like so how do you uh, when, how do you address that when i go mad about it <laughs> I, I tell you i just have i mean i live in hollywood okay I, I just have to say that even though i work in hollywood and i'm around celebrities and everything what i'm really passionate really passionate about is helping real people uh, real people with real salaries with real size issue and I have to say, I mean, this week I'm looking for an Oscar dress, you know, and it's like I go out into Hollywood and I, I walk up and down Rodeo, 
Okay. And I see clothing, I mean, I see gowns for $10,000 and $12,000. And honestly, personally, it makes me depressed. You know, it makes me depressed to look at it when I see the situation in the world. And I know I've deviated, but I'll come back round to it. Deviated, when I think of how many people are so hungry in the world. Okay, and then there's a dress sitting there for, for $12,000. But to get back to what you said, so you, in Hollywood, I'm going looking for gowns. I go into all the places where you can get gowns, zeros and twos. Okay. This isn't reality. It is not reality. There's, there are women out there with curves, with busts, with hips. Okay. And it's so challenging to find clothes to fit them. And it's like the whole thing, who's ever started this, the media or the designers at a couture level, they've set this standard that nobody can get to. Okay. So my message is let go of the standard Okay, and be who you are. Just embrace whatever it is that you have. Be the best you can be. If you're a size 2, great. If you're a size 22, great. I mean, do something to be healthy. Okay, but be the best that you can be and love the skin you're in. Because as soon as we start comparing and thinking there's something out there that's better than us, then we equal suffering. Mm. So it's like, love the skin you're in, accept who you are. I went to an exhibition recently, which gave me a perspective on something. It was an exhibition on beauty, and it was so fascinating to me because I, I haven't heard about it in this way before, that the industry, in a certain way, they create the problem so that they can sell you the solution. <laughs> I mean, it's commerce. Right. I mean, it's true. I mean, it is commerce, which is, I think it's great that it's commerce. But when it gets into your psyche and you see these girls who are anorexic, you know, who've got all these body issues um, because of what the media is throwing at us, that makes me really, really sad. I bet you have a hundred stories of when you were right in the middle of all of that because you were paid to be there and you're on set or you're somehow involved in the industry and there's somebody who's having that that challenge or somebody who's having that crisis, mm -hmm. you know, that they might even be a size two, but they're not embracing who they are. And right. here, here comes Brenda, this breath of fresh air who can kind of, you're there to do one thing, but you're doing a whole lot more to serve that person than just to address them. Well, absolutely. And, you know, people come into me and again, listen, I, I'm, I'm dressing them and I'm painting a picture of style. And I had somebody in here recently and she said to me, Brenda, you haven't changed my clothes. You've changed my life. I'm like, oh, my God, you're like going to make me cry. Oh my and for me, that's what it's all about. I mean, this journey through is not always easy, mm. you know, and we face many challenges, many of which are body physical challenges of a lack of acceptance of who we are. And if I can give the gift of you accepting who you are, not comparing yourself to A, B, C, and D, and to loving the skin you're in, and showing you a way to present that in the best possible way that is modern, versatile, and above all, affordable, um, and improve the quality of your self-esteem, then I've done my work. So all, clothing is just my tools. But it, for me, it goes so much deeper than that with people. One of my mentors, Marianne Williamson, used to say that every business uh, is a front for a church. And when she said that, she wasn't talking about a church being a religion. I mean, a church being a place where people come and they feel loved. They feel accepted. Uh, a pizza parlor right. can be a front for a church. A doctor's office. An accounting firm. 
absolutely a salon, a spa, you know, can be a front for a church. Now, there are some salons and spas that are doing the exact opposite of that. Right. Where, where it, it can be toxic. But any environment and any person listening to this can create a, a safe place for people. It doesn't matter what service you're providing for them. Um, right. When they're in your space, they somehow, well, I'm paying you for this, but I left, again, like you just said, you didn't just change your clothes, you changed your life. Right. And, and I think, you know, there's lots of people out there that do this. And it's, I call it like finding your people. It's like when you don't fit in, you know, to a certain environment you're not with your people you have to find your zone of comfort and when you you kind of have to build your you might call it a church or just build your belief system within yourself about you know being the best that you can be you know and loving who you are and I know it may all sound corny but I've done the journey I mean I appear to be this confident accomplished woman okay that's my front Okay, now it's a reality. Now I've done enough work that that is who I am. But I wasn't always that. Mm. People, you know, always thought I was confident, but they don't know the fear, uh, the low self-esteem. Guess what I did? I went into a career that was all about image. Okay, when you start analyzing it and bringing it back. I mean, I grew up being a have and then I became a have not. My family lost everything, you know, and that affects you as a child, you know, and and I'm so as passionate as I am about image and presentation to the world. My other passion is how we think, you know, how we navigate our minds, how we, you know, and filling the holes in our soul, you know, because we all have low self-esteem or we all have, you know, Areas where we don't feel, you know, fully confident and strong. And I'm so into healing that. And basically, I do it with what I do. I, uh, I, I start on the outside. I mean, you can start on the inside with a psychologist and work your way out. Or you can start on the outside. I think anybody listening to this, especially in the beauty industry, they've all had those experiences where you, you thought you were only there to do the, the client's hair and what you ended up with. The impact that you had was just, you know, so much more than that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but to be on target with that or to be on task with that, to be on purpose with that, you know, with where every single client becomes that mission for you, now that's a beautiful life. Well, I just love it. It's just really fulfilling for me. I mean, it started off with just, you know, buying clothes. And um, when I was a kid, it's like I, when I became a have-not, what I used to do is go into the antique clothing stores so that I could look like a movie star. I wanted to look like Catherine Hepburn. So I would make, create a presentation to the world. But this is what I have to say about presentation because there's a whole thing about that. Okay, presentation is about you feeling good about you. Okay, you feeling good about what you're presenting to the world and you being comfortable in your own skin. This is really, really important. It's not about you wearing trend. It's not about you following trend because this is fashionable right now. I should be doing this. You have to do what's right for you within the trend, whatever it is, whether it's makeup or whether it's hair or whether it's clothing. You've got to find out what works for your body and your lifestyle because as one of the co-hosts on, you know, Fashion Emergency, sometimes we would work in environments where, you know, hair was done Okay, but this woman has to go back to Boise, Idaho. Okay, so how is this hair do going to work? You know, you have to make it work for somebody's lifestyle and for their comfort zone. I mean, if I dress someone and she looks like a million dollars, okay, in my opinion, 
but she doesn't feel like a million dollars, then I have not done my job correctly. So it's a beautiful recipe of mixing all of these ingredients. So the end result is a woman or a man who looks great and feels great. How did you learn that? Or how do you now teach that to other people? Where Because people learn trends and they follow trends. And so this is the haircut. That's the haircut of the season. And I'm going to put the same haircut on the majority of my clients or the majority of the clients are coming in and asking for that. And I'm sure you see it a lot. I'd be curious in your mind, what percentage of people do you think that are, are falling into that where they're dressing based on trends and is really not dressed on what makes them look or feel their best? Well, let me say this when, this is a little saying I have. I say, don't be a victim of trend. Be a creator of your own personal style. Okay. So within a trend... Okay, because obviously I want all the vendors to make money and make a living. You have to kind of find the best of the best within that trend, which will transcend the test of time. Okay, Um, a little bit difficult to explain. I understand it organically and kinesthetically. Now I'm trying to put it into words. Whatever trend, whatever comes into fashion, okay, I will try and find the version of it that is going to work three seasons from now. Okay, and there is always something within that trend. I mean, a classic style. I don't have it in the room right now. I went into a, uh, uh, right now I'm shopping resale because of the budget that I have on the show. It is so um, small that I can't go into Neiman Marcus and Saks and and spend money in those stores because I don't have the budget within this show. So my new best friends are all the resale stores. Okay, Okay, I'm finding the most amazing pieces. So I found. So wait, wait, for the TV show. Yes. You're, you're going to, into resale Oh, my God. Can, stores. Okay, so let me just, let me be radically honest okay, with you, Wynn. Okay, so I go into all the, the department stores, and we're in an economic recession, mm-hmm. and unfortunately and sadly, in my opinion, that affects how people design. It, it's amazing. So I go into the department stores, and I've spoken to a lot of people about this right now. There's no real color there's no real shape it's kind of depressing we're in hard times right now and that is reflected in fashion so how do you create great personal style with what's going on well i have to think in a different way okay and i usually do think in a different way so it's okay so say okay where can i find great pieces of clothing for fran that look great on her that are flattering that are feminine that are colorful Okay. So I started going into all of the resale stores around L.A. And when I have found the most amazing pieces of clothing, I mean, I have found $1,500 dresses for $400. I, I bought a jacket the other day that cost $400, which is a lot of money in the big picture of life. Okay, in Hollywood terms, that's not a lot of money. I put my hand in the pocket and saw the original price tag. It was $2,650. Oh, does, does Fran know this? Yes, I, I oh, tell okay. her. I totally tell her. Okay, no. Now I have to ask, was that the same when you were doing the nanny? Mm-hmm. Was there... No, it was completely... There was a good budget there. There was a good budget there, and I just went out and shopped. It's so you like, could go to the Neiman Marcus? I, I would go to the Neiman Marcus, and my joke was, you know, I have the best job in the world. You know, I, I get to go shopping all day long with other people's money, you know, and create this wonderful style. Yes, I still go to Neiman's and Saks, But A, I'm not finding the pieces that I want, you know, but I'm finding exciting pieces in resale stores. And as I always say, I shop Goodwill to Gucci. (laughs) 
That's great. And everywhere in between. Right. I mean, I've taken clients that have come in here, friends of mine who, you know, can't afford, you know, to, you know, work on their image. So I come in, I do their colors for free. And guess where we go after that? We run down the street to the Goodwill store mm. with their color palettes and find them 10 shirts for $100. And really incredible. I found a $600 shirt in Goodwill the other day. I love it. For $10. And that's what really lights me up. That's what I love to do. I have a lot of questions for you. So I'm going to take us in a yes. couple of other directions. Please. But before we do that, I got an email. I think I read it this morning about somebody who's she's going to one of my schools. And she just doesn't see herself standing behind the chair doing hair every day. She's like, I love this industry, but I, I'm not as passionate about actually doing hair as the rest of my fellow students, she's like, I don't want to leave this industry. I'm artistic. I'm all that. So if you were responding to that email, what would be the advice? Okay. I, I love your questions, Wynne. <laughs> okay. So this would be my response to that. A, it's great that you've recognized that. Number one, you've recognized that. Number two, what you need to do now is research. Because within the scope of doing hair and being a hairdresser, there are so many opportunities other than standing behind a chair in a salon. Um, you could work on a movie set. You could work in the television industry. You could work for the magazines. Um, you could develop your own private clientele. You have there's so many unique possibilities. People come to me and they say they want to be in the fashion business. But my follow-up question is, what part of the fashion business? There's so many opportunities for you within fashion. Do you want to work in a retail store? Do you want to do retail? Do you want to work for a magazine? Do you want to work in the TV industry? Do you want to work in the movie industry? With the creative arts, such as you know, styling and hair and makeup, there are so many opportunities. So start seeking out those opportunities. And this is a huge one. Start networking. Start talking to people. You know, and even if you think you're not qualified or you don't know enough or you're just a beginner, take all those thoughts, put them to the side, pick up the phone, make a call and introduce yourself and start networking with people. Start letting them know who you are, what you can do, what you're willing to do. Okay. And start off by offering your services. Yes, for no money. Because when you get in there and someone sees how committed, how passionate, okay, what you can deliver, okay, you will have a, a career, you will get yourself going. When I started, I didn't even know I had a talent. I knew I liked putting clothes together and I did it late. I mean, I did it in my early 30s. And then I, I started working for this woman and I started shopping. And I went, oh, I'm good at this. And they loved everything that I would bring back. And then I would work for another designer. And I started seeing that, yes, I do have a talent, but I would do lots of stuff for free. And for me in the beginning, the networking thing was scary. Calling somebody up, and then asking for a job, it's like, oh, my God, I can't do this. I had to force myself to do it, you know, and you wouldn't think someone in their 30s would have that problem. I did. I forced myself to do it. And because I did it, this is where I am today. And now I'm starting again at another level because I wanted to get myself to the next level. So now I'm having, having to network in different ways. So it really never ends. It always, you get to a level, you get to a plateau, then you get to another plateau, and then you get to another plateau. I love your lessons because you, you already said earlier that to this day, you, you'll still work for free. Of course. Because you're doing what you love to do. Yes. Just put that out there. It's like we want the universe to provide for us but we're stingy in 
using and offering our own talents and skills to help other people. Right. I mean, I do what I do. I will do it regardless. I mean, you know what what your real passion is when you will just do it because you do it for no money. You know, I'm passionate about shopping. I'm like an Olympic shopper. Um, I'm sure nobody can relate to that. Well, um, people are like, wait, I'm, I love shopping too. I can do her job. Right. Well, you know, it's so funny. When I walk into a store, you know, people immediately they go, huh, you're on a mission. I'm like, how can you tell? I mean, I speed shop. I know what I'm looking for. I'm very specific. You know, sometimes I just try to be cool. They tag me the minute I walk in the door that I'm not just shopping. As browsing. Ju- ju- you're, you're- I'm, I'm never just browsing. For me, it's like an archaeological dig and... <laughs> And in fact, the other day I said, you know something, I'm not calling myself a costume designer anymore or a professional shopper. This is what I am. I'm a hunter. (laughs) I am a hunter because I go out every day and I hunt for beautiful pieces of clothing. That's great. And I I love doing it. And then at the, the end of the day last week, the end of the day, I'd been out all day, eight hours. And I do have to say, it does get tiring sometimes. You know, I was exhausted. I get home. I get a call from a resale store. A lady just walked in with a Roberta Cavalli dress. I'll be right down. <laughs> they all know you now. So in traffic, I'm like going down into Santa Monica to see this dress. It didn't work out. But I just, you're compelled. When you know you're passionate about something, you're just compelled. And I also love your advice about asking, you know, networking and asking because you only get what you ask for. Like, I'll do that in the seminar. Well, person in the front row, I like stand up and they stand up and now sit down. See, people do what you ask them to do. But if right. you don't ask, it's not going to happen. I got to interview Donnie Osmond yesterday. I'm right. dropping a name now, right. Donnie Osmond. Yes. And he was saying, he was just on um, Dr. Phil. Mm-hmm. And, and he kept on putting this out there because people were asking him, you know, gosh, you've accomplished 50-year career. What have you always wanted to do? Oh, yeah, I would love to be able to perform with his mentor, his idol in music, which is Stevie Wonder. And so he's on... Dr. Phil the other day, and, you know, Dr. Phil surprised him, and who walks out? You know, Stevie Wonder, and they get you know, they bring out a piano, and he gets to perform, but he's like, to me, he's like, when? To this audience, he's like, had I not put that out there, had I not asked, there's no way I would have been having the experience of a lifetime, which is to perform with Stevie Wonder. But, but isn't it interesting, when you look at it, when, that we all have this thing of not speaking what we want? Right. I mean, like, Dr. Phil made that possible for him. He actually didn't make it possible for himself. But we all have this thing about, I call it not stepping into our light, okay? To step into our light and to, you know, have the confidence to ask. But in order to have the confidence to ask, this is what I've learned as an older person, you have to step into your discomfort zone. That's what I call it. You have to step into the area of the thing that makes you uncomfortable and become comfortable with being uncomfortable, okay? And in so many areas of your life, in relationships, whether someone that you're interested in, you know, be uncomfortable for a little while and notice your discomfort, but stay there and get through the fear. Get through the fear of whatever it is, if it's of making a call, you know, uh, to someone that that you think in the hierarchy of life is better than you or more powerful than you. We, We set people up on these pedestals, but guess what? We're all human beings, okay? We all have all the same functions in life. We all eat, we all go to the bathroom, we all live in houses, we all drive cars, okay? To make it an even playing field for yourself, okay? And then take action. OK, 
Okay, but and taking action is huge. You know, to get past your fear, to get past your low self-esteem that I'm not good enough, I'm not qualified enough, I'm not old enough, I'm not pretty enough. Okay, all that thinking, take it. Thank you very much, mind, for telling me all those negative things about myself. Now I'm going to put those over here, and now I'm going to take action. Okay, because taking action will result in success and fulfillment for yourself. I couldn't have told you this in my teens. I couldn't have told you this in my 20s. I couldn't have told you this in my 30s. In my 40s, it started, things started shifting because personally, when I had kids, then I truly learned for me, that was my life path, what, what life is all about and what is important and how you can seek fulfillment. And truly, fulfillment isn't about dollars in the bank, even though we all love that, okay? If it's only that for you, then you will not have a fulfilled life. It's about finding your passion and giving back with that passion. That's what it's about. Before we started recording, you had shared with us that you you just came from your own session of personal work, meaning you haven't graduated from any of this stuff yet. You're you're still on this journey. You're still putting yourself in that uncomfort zone. Well, you know what's so interesting? We have this life. Again, we're all human beings. We work for a living. We have careers. We're creative. We're artistic. But then we have this other area of life. It's the unseen area of life, which absolutely fascinates me. And that in the corporate world, in the business world, that you're not supposed to go there. And it's the area of our emotions. Okay, It's something that we don't address. Okay, so I always look at it because, as I say, I'm as passionate about helping people be the best they can be from the outside in. And from the inside, I'm fascinated about how we think and how we navigate our lives so that we have fulfilled lives. And navigating through our emotions, and we all have anger, you know, and people think that you shouldn't express anger. Well, if you can do it in a conscious way and build a bridge to get over your anger, there's such a lack of communication. Look at the divorce rate in relationships, you know, uh, look at the war that's going on, because people have expectations, they have belief systems that you should believe what I believe, okay? And if you don't believe what I believe, then I'm going to go and kill you. I mean, that, that's war. And then in, in our relationships, I, I notice that we don't often listen to each other. So we don't feel listened to, heard, and understood. And if we did that with each other, we would create so much more loving relationships with each other. And if we spoke our emotions, you know, and navigated through our emotional life, and the anger and the sadness and the despair that, we, that all of us have, you know, and flush them out of our system. Because for me, emotions are like a, a dirty closet, you know, that hasn't been cleaned out in 50 years. I mean, can you imagine what that closet looks like? Okay, and the same with emotions. You have 50 years of unexpressed sadness or despair that we suppress because we're not supposed to feel like that it builds up in your system and learn to flush that stuff out um, and find a great therapist or I mean there are some incredible books that have had a profound effect in my life the work of Byron Katie which is called loving what is profound profound work um, in learning how to love what is because when we don't love what is it equals suffering so an, an incredible book, The Enneagram, 
which is a personality system, which is absolutely fascinating when you understand your Enneagram type is wonderful. And there's another book called Now Discover Your Strengths of all the different thinking styles that we have so that you can find your passion by Marcus Buckingham. It's a management book, but it's absolutely amazing. And I always think, I know this is totally sordid and, and probably horrible, but when I leave this planet, I was thinking, I'd love to give a gift at my funeral. I want to give to all the people at the funeral, I want to give them a set of four books that have profoundly changed my life and that I think can improve your life and give it as gifts, as my thank you. And another one is The Four Agreements. I the saw it on your table in your house. An amazing, amazing book. An amazing book, The Four Agreements being to never make assumptions, never take anything personally, always do your best and always be impeccable with your word, with your word. And if you lead your life through those four principles, you find that you truly enjoy this journey. I just love the simplicity of all of this. And it's supposed to be simple. It is, and it's wonderful. We make it so complicated. When you were talking about how um, you, you, you gave the analogy of uh, cleaning out the closets of your mind or whatever, getting rid of all of that stuff... Mm -hmm. You've heard of Louise Hay, and she, she actually asks people to do that, kind of like a physical metaphor of cleaning out the closets and those old emotions and beliefs that no longer serve you. She's like, go clean out your closet. Right. Or go, go clean out a, a junk drawer, you know, where so you're physically having that experience of getting rid of things that you no longer need, things that don't fit you, things that don't serve you. Right. And that could be like the stepping stone for then actually doing that with those old emotions that don't right. serve. And that is fascinating to me. But to actually go through the process of ridding yourself, mm -hmm. I have found that the way to do it is to experience your emotion, to experience that which you don't want to experience, to allow yourself to feel your sadness or feel your despair around a situation. We always push away from it because we don't want to feel that sadness or that despair. But the only way around it... I have found is to go through it, to sit there and consciously feel your sadness, feel your despair, you know, and you completely flush it out of your cellular memory of your body forever. Well, we could have a whole discussion on that. That's a whole other, that's a whole other oh interview. Oh my gosh, we don't want to feel it. We'd rather take a pill or take a drink or whatever. So we never have to feel that. Right, exactly, right. and it's a part of our, our being, but and that makes me, we're not going to go down that road, but no. what we do with pharmaceuticals so that we don't want to feel our emotions, but the, feel them and then ride the wave of them and then they crash and they release forever. And I, I'm living testimony of it because I, I've struggled in my life with always a low level of depression, even though people would never think that. Mm. And I've done a lot of, you know, this work. I've read, you know, those books. I put it into practice the way I go to the gym, okay? And what do you mean by that? I, I put the work of navigating emotions I exercise it on a daily basis with a given situation, with something that comes up and I notice that, okay, I feel like, like I feel guilty or I feel ashamed or I feel sad or I feel angry and then kind of looking at it, looking at it, why am I feeling this? And then usually, you can usually track it back. I did it this morning. I tracked it back to an, a specific event in my childhood, which I'm going to actually share with you and I hope I don't start crying I'll try not to anyway it was just something you know happened this week and it's like 
I was feeling guilty about earning some money. And I'm like, why am I feeling like, why am I feeling bad about this? Okay, I couldn't work it out. So I started tracking back to what this is connecting to from my past. So I kind of identified that I feel like I don't deserve it or I shouldn't have it. And I'm trying to track, why, do, why am I feeling like this? And then it was a zinger. It was a zinger. It went right back to a place in my life, um, bless my mother's heart. And I might have you edit this out because when I hear it, I might not want it to go out to the world. I don't know yet. But I remember my mum struggling. We lived in a pub. You know, she was working really hard one night. And it was the first time I had put on makeup and I'd come down and I was showing my mum what I looked like. And she turned to me and she said, you're nothing and you'll never be anything. And it went into me so deeply that I've carried this with my, my entire life. And I realized that today, literally today, that I intend to be successful on a whole different level. I need to heal that and forgive it and not believe it because those things go onto our DNA and we carry them with us through our entire life, whether we believe it or not. It usually tracks back to something in childhood. So it's like healing the hole in my soul and forgiving mum because what she was really saying is, I'm nobody and I'll never be anything, you know. And um, boy, this has gone way past fashion, hasn't it? <laughs> Which is great. I'm oh, fine. That was just a vehicle we were going to use. Okay, that's. I, I love it. I yeah. just, I mean, I love it. I mean, I just love helping people. But just to learn how to, you know, have good relationships with people and to build bridges and get over it. You know, find a way to build your bridge and to not live in resentment. You know, I have a T-shirt that says that, by the way. What? What, what does it build say? Build a bridge and get over it. Yes. I'm going to send it to you. I love it. Um, but this, we end relationships because we right. get angry and we, we separate and we go our separate ways. But I personally think a way to intimacy is to navigate through with each other, listen to each other. We don't listen to each other because we're so concerned about what we want to say and the fact that we want to be heard, you know, that we don't listen to the other person. I mean, my children have taught me so much about life and about listening, you know, and when they're angry or upset, I listen to what they have to say. I put my stuff on the shelf and I listen to what they have to say because I find that you learn more by listening. You can learn so much by listening. You don't necessarily learn a lot by talking. If all you had to talk about today was fashion, this mm. probably wouldn't be all that exciting for anybody. You know what I mean? I, no, well, I'd make it exciting. <laughs> but clothing is just my tool for getting to the heart of the matter. It's like, it's for me, it's paint. It's Let like, me ask a couple of questions here, because I know our, our audience, you know, they have that curious side too, because... Probably 90% of the emails that I get from brand new people in the industry, and I get a ton of emails, I bet 90% of them are, oh, I really want to pursue something in the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. I really want to, I want to do hair, I want to do makeup, I want to do wardrobe in the entertainment industry, I want to work with celebrities, I want to, no, some of these emails are coming from the middle of the country, and I'm thinking, well, do you, are there any celebrities around you? And mm -hmm. So they all have that curiosity about, about what you do and about this industry. Mm -hmm. So I have a couple of questions about that. Okay, sure. So you're just doing wardrobe. What did I mean? I like hate that. that. When I hate so, that I, mean, I, will, I, will re, I will rephrase that. You're doing amazing, amazing Emmy award winning 
<laughs> Thank you, Wynne. You know, can I just tell you that it's so what? funny? Because, because, you know, in my office, it's called the wardrobe room. But I find that word wardrobe, I, f- I find it, don't ask me why, I find it so pedestrian that it's the fashion office. Okay, so on my door, it is the happily divorced fashion office. So I don't know, why do I find that word? So I don't know, it rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> okay, well, I, I, I corrected myself. That's okay. My, my question is, yes. so when you're on set, mm-hmm. are you all consulting with each other? Meaning, are you consulting with the hairdresser and with the makeup artist and with the set designer oh, and God. with the producer and with the... I mean, I, I'm picturing that it's not like you're off doing your own little thing and, and they're off doing their own little thing and you're not kind of coming together to get a... so. Well, it's all part of a jigsaw puzzle, right. Win, And yet people are convening with people and the producers. And again, it's like painting a visual picture. So, you know, I'm always talking to my team, okay, to get the specific look I want, you know, on camera. And then I'm talking to the producers making sure that what they want is fulfilled or making a change if something isn't right. Way back in the old days, and I'm talking about decades ago, I think that wardrobe would consult with hair and makeup. I find that, well, you know, I shouldn't really say this because I don't really know the movie industry. I know the TV industry more. It's not necessarily such a, a deep collaboration. You know, hair does hair, makeup does makeup, and I do the costumes. But I have a mouth on me, so <laughs> I mean, I if something I don't think is right, I will always make a suggestion. Right. You know, because working in a group, you have to. Besides our creativity, besides our talent, whether we're a makeup artist or a hairdresser or a costume designer, we all have to work as a group. Right. We all have to work as a team. Okay. So that in itself is a challenge because of communication skills, learning how to communicate with each other in an effective and productive way because you know what this industry is like. There's a lot of egos, you know, and you can get someone's back up very easily or tread on someone's toes or, you know, engender not the greatest of relationships. So um, communication skills are, besides your art, you know, is really important. So does it happen that... You're dressing the actor or the actress, and they don't like what you're doing. Or the producer that, says, that sucks, that's never going to work. Does that happen? That never happens to okay. me. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I think people need to learn how to deal with criticism and... and yes, you're, you do have to learn that. You're absolutely right. That's such a good point. You have to learn how to deal with criticism. So does that come up a lot in your industry? Not with me, when. No, I do that. Well, you're, and, and if it does, yes. you just hit him on the head with your yeah. Emmy. Yes. Uh, do you know who I am? Right. Uh, no, I never, ever say that. Never, ever say that. <laughs> no, you have to learn how to deal with criticism, but you also have to you know, have a strong sense of yourself. I mean, at least I know that I have to, and I do, you know, suggest what I think is the right thing to do. I mean, I... You know, I haven't worked in this industry in a very long time, and I, I'm coming back to it on Happily Divorced. I speak up, okay, but you must speak up in a very gracious and a polite way, not in an egotistical way. But yes, you're dealing with many different personalities and many people that want things fulfilled, and it's challenging. Right. You know, it's challenging. Um, I personally am very lucky. I work with Fran Drescher. And I work with her ex-husband, Peter Mark Jacobson, and we are all cut from the same cloth. 
So it makes it very easy for me. And they, they love what I do. And they acknowledge me, which I love. I love the acknowledgement for what I do. But, you know, what happens when somebody doesn't like what you do? You've got to learn how to accept it and navigate and fulfill what needs to be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. So do you, like, get behind the camera to then see what the camera is capturing okay. of what you have done. Absolutely. And then you, do you then do that and think, ooh, I made the wrong choice here and I need to go back yes. and fix this? Okay. So you're getting it from another perspective? Okay, let me respond to that. Okay. Because what's interesting, well, the way I work is things can be changing. My crew probably, I probably drive them mad because you're supposed to, you know, set the look, okay? And then it's set and the dressing rooms get set up with their outfits and that's the end of it. I personally am changing right up to the very end because I am looking, when those actors go on stage, okay, I go straight to the monitor because life, looking at you in person, and life on camera are two completely different realities. And you really, I think it's really important to really know that. And one of the things that I know that Fran loves about me is my attention to detail. As soon as the cameras are up, I'm on the monitor looking at how it's translating on the monitor. And if it's not translating correctly, I will change it. Mm. I mean, the most minutest little details. Mm. Um, A few weeks ago, we were doing a script and there had to be a scarf. And these are all the technical things around my industry that that lay people don't even really think about and they're not expected to think about it. Anyway, in the script, it was Judy has a scarf on her neck. Okay, and Fran pulls it off her neck and puts it on her neck. Okay, so of course, for me, it has to be okay. Well, the scarf looks great on Judy, who's got completely different coloring, but when it goes on to Fran, it still has to look beautiful. So, how am I going to solve that? So, I solve it with the colors, with how I put the colors together, and it looks absolutely beautiful. So, we're about to go on. Okay, she's about to walk out uh, to do the scene, and then Peter goes, let's lose the scarf. And I'm like, what? And he said, let's lose the scarf. So we take away the scarf and she's too bare. It's too naked looking. So it's like with 15 seconds from shooting, it's often like doing a live show and it doesn't work for me because she's too naked. So I'm looking all around me and I see an assistant, necklace off. (laughs) I pull off her necklace, (laughs) I put it on Fran and she looks brilliant. It was like the perfect necklace for the outfit. And that's what happens with me all the time. So I'm very lucky like that. But things are ever-changing and life off camera and life on camera are two very different realities let me take you down another path. So we're sitting here in your studio, mm-hmm. which is very, it's white, but then it's very, very colorful and you have different palettes, you know, without, because uh, it's kind of hard to explain, it's more of a visual thing, just kind of give our listeners an idea of what it is that you would accomplish here with, with the client. Okay, well, would you mind if I backed up to how I even arrived at this? Absolutely. Okay. So I have a career as a costume designer. I've won an Emmy. I've been on my own TV show. I've I've reached the top of my game, which I'm very grateful and appreciative of. I've actually, I had actually never had a day of education in any of it. I had never been to school. It's just something that I did. So like five, six, seven years ago, I decided I want to get an education. I want to learn something. And while I love to create style, I don't want to sit at a sewing machine and make it. So that's why how you identify where you're, you're passionate. And I realized that I really love color. 
You look at the nanny and see how colorful it is. So I decided I wanted to learn about color. Went online. I found this course. I flew to Holiday Inn Express somewhere in Connecticut about seven years ago and took this course on color by this woman who has since passed. It was about color and the human being. Um, within two hours of this class starting, I realized that my life was profoundly changed because I learned what color was. It was absolutely amazing. I was so excited and elated about learning about color that I actually wanted to teach what she taught. And she, had, she was very excited for me, as even though I don't think it's anything that it's Emmy award-winning Brenda Cooper for her. It was very exciting that I was in her class. So I became one of her first trainers. So I started training people in personal color analysis and I, I just learned how to do it. And it's something, you know, I'm very, very passionate about it. And, and in a nutshell, it's kind of difficult to explain with words, but I'm going to do my best with it. You know, one of the first things you see in terms of image before you see the style of your clothing or the fit of your clothing, the first thing you see scientifically is the color of what you're wearing okay and people react to it whether they know it consciously or subconsciously if you look at it like this what music is to the ear color is to the eye it's vibrational so it affects us it affects us so it affects the human being it's a vibration so people come into my studio and I find through a process using scientific theory and artistic principles the tone of color that is in harmony with their skin that lands up making them look younger, thinner, healthier, more vibrant. I basically find their color DNA and with that color DNA with a set of 65 colors that you can see up on the wall here for each of the tones you have the colors that for your hair color your makeup colors your clothing colors if you want to you know paint your home in your tone of color it will create an environment that is more soothing and more harmonious to be in so you never again have to be concerned about what color should I wear or in my makeup drawer? You know, you're wearing colors that don't really illuminate your skin. Tell me if I'm off track here. So, I mean, I, I, I sense it when I walk into a room and the lighting is just off. Mm -hmm. Like it affects how I view everything. It yes. affects how I feel. Yes. It affects my energy. It affects my mood. If the lighting is off, does that... Kinda. Yes, it is. I mean, it's on the same track because, I mean, if you're going get, to get into the technical part of it, what is color? Color is actually light. So how do you know that it's light? Okay, well, go back to your school day, Sir Isaac Newton. Take white light, put it through a prism. Or even in your home, when you, you look at a wall in the afternoon when light has bounced off something and you see a rainbow on the wall, that is light. That's light uh, broken up into the seven spectral hues. So if somebody hasn't discovered or learned what their palette is, yes. how would that affect them? So let's say that they haven't discovered their palette, therefore they're not wearing it. 
it's not represented in their home. Mm-hmm. It's not represented in their makeup and their hair and everything okay. else. How would that affect them in a negative way? Well, let me... How would it affect them in a negative way? Okay, there's a possibility they wouldn't know that they were being affected in a negative way until they find out their colors, okay, and find out what is harmonious mm-hmm. for them. How you can know in terms of your clothing if you're not in harmony, this is what I always tell people who haven't had the opportunity to come in here. When you put an outfit on, it's the new trend, it's the new spring, winter, autumn trend. Look in the mirror at what you're wearing. What do you see first? Do I see the dress or do I see you? Okay. If you see the dress first, then you're not in balance. You are not in color harmony. Okay, it's the same, and color can overpower you. It's called color war. I mean, I call it color war. The color is wearing you, or are you wearing the color? Or is there this beautiful balance? So color can either drain all the color out of your skin and make you look sick and ill, or it or color can dominate you so that you disappear. Okay, or if you find your color harmony you see this beautiful unified whole of this picture of you that is all in balance, your hair, your skin, your clothing. And when people look at you, they don't quite know what it is, but they know something's changed and you're more pleasing to a viewer's eye. And also, when people start wearing their colors, they come into greater harmony with themselves because I've actually found their color DNA. And color is incredibly powerful we completely take it for granted you know in every aspect in terms of your hair in terms of your makeup color choices um, when you find your color DNA you you have your it's like in a way it's like a color bible Mm. you know I've had a lady who lived in a home for 30 years you know very comfortable there she came and did her colors and I said go home I said paint a room in one of your colors and see what happens she called me up and she said Brenda I've been incredibly comfortable in my home for 30 years and I didn't believe it was possible to be more comfortable I painted one of my walls in my true autumn orange and it's like I love being in my home in a whole different way. Well, I can see how that, that would play out if somebody is not in harmony with their color DNA, as you, as you put it. I mean, they might feel fabulous, but people are looking at them and say, you know, are you okay today? You right. don't, you oh, don't exactly. look very good. By, by the time 10 people tell you that, you go home early thinking, I don't feel good. Right, exactly. Right. Exactly. So a great way when I recommend when people go shopping, it's like, and this is on my website, a tip on how to choose colors. Never just put one color up to you. Always take two garments and put the color under your chin and... Don't look at the color. Look at your face and look how your face changes. Wow. I mean, I've done all the actors on Happily Divorced. They all came in here. The men especially were fascinated by it because I could show how to make them look older, how to make them look younger, how to make them look vibrant, and how to make them look sick. Okay, mm-hmm. from a character point of view, of if you're building a character and you want your character to be depressed... Wear this color because it is so not in oh harmony. And how many people are wearing that color? And, the, and, don't, and don't know it. Why? So it's actually, you never look at the color. Look at how mm. color changes the look on your face. Look under your eyes and look how one color makes your skin look smooth. Then you put another color on and you've got bags under your eyes or the color of your lips. You put up two reds, just take two reds. You put one red up to you and you have pink lips. And then you put another red up to you and your lips have turned purple. 
So it's kind of looking like with an artist's eye. And it's very subtle, but it's very powerful. I love this. It's fantastic. First of all, Brenda, can you believe we've already been speaking for almost 80 minutes? I told you. And you were like... (laughs) <laughs> how are we gonna how are we gonna be this doing this for an hour and a half <laughs> okay so so i have to wrap things up here how would somebody you know learn more about what you do and this color theory and everything that you've been sharing with us well okay well how would people that's a good question unless you live in los angeles you can reach me in los angeles um, i'm trying to work out a way to what's your website um, www.brendacooper.com okay and then i'm working on a book called looking super with brenda cooper Oh, sweet. Your Guide to Everlasting Style. And when's that going to be out? So it's going to... Oh. Make a commitment here, baby. I know. You're so right. Well, you know, we haven't gone down the road of learning styles. You know, that's a whole other thing. I mean, I do what I do. Right now, I'm trying to get focused on building the brand Brenda Cooper Style, which is like the equivalent of what Martha Stewart is to living in the home. I have this concept of to personal appearance, but it's trying to find the time to, you know, to get it all together and I've been trying to do this book for ages but to get me to sit down in front of a computer is so hard but even if I do say so myself it's a brilliant idea and it's going to be one of the best style books on the market um and so I'm working on that you know I'm you know raising two kids doing my career running a home it's a lot life is good Life is good. Life is good. Sometimes I have to admit it runs a little bit too fast for me. I mean, I love being in motion, but um, there's a lot of things going on at the same time. You know, um, one of my, I keep on repeating this a lot, is one of my favorite messages to myself is I'd rather be stressed than bored. And I know a lot of people oh, who are bored. You're absolutely right. So? One thing I'm not is bored. Yeah. <laughs> right. One How thing could I'm, you be? No, I'm How not. How could anybody be bored? I love what I, I, listen, I found my passion when I found my passion. It's just helping people to be the best that they can be, to fulfill their dreams, to feel good about themselves when they go to work in the morning. You know, I love doing it. I mean, it's wonderful. I, I am so grateful that I have found my gift and I get to exercise it and help people give back. Give back. That's so important. The give back. That that even makes me <laughs> emotional. That really makes me emotional. To give back to people that aren't as fortunate as yourself. You know? That's why I even in my career, I remember a time when I was really struggling, you know, and if I can help a young person, just give them a little bit of guidance. You have to help each other. You, we have to help each other. We all need each other, no matter what level. We all need each other. This is what I say. You know, people say that fashion is frivolous sometimes, you know, or oftentimes. And that kind of makes my skin crawl a little bit. And my answer to that, you know, when you look good, you feel good. When you feel good, you have more confidence. When you have more confidence, you take more risk. When you take more risk, you have more of a chance of your your dreams and desires coming true. When your dreams and desires do come true, you have a sense of fulfillment. And when you have that sense of fulfillment, you have a tendency to want to give back. So how could fashion possibly be frivolous? Oh, my God. That's in your book. <laughs> that's in my, that's going to be the opening. Uh. To my book. That's going to be the opening to my book. God, goosebumps. Yeah. You're adorable. I have loved talking to you. Thank you, sweetheart, so much for this. Such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. My pleasure.